0: And I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 233, a catch and release turkey hunt. And I am your host and the guy who struck out in Arkansas this past weekend. And I'll tell you a little bit more about that. But right now we are 13 days, one hour 33 minutes and 41 seconds away from the end of spring turkey season in Alabama. Just over 13 days away from me having a bottom lip poked out for months. So hey, I want to run something past you guys. So I've had an opening on my out-of-state trip to New York and Vermont pop up here over the past week one of the guys had something come up and he's not going to be able to go and so i figure why not throw it out there and see if any of you guys want to join us so you'll be hunting with my buddy chip yankee john and me we're actually going to start out in new york and hunt there for two or three days until we all tag out Then we're going to Vermont and we're going to hunt there for two or three days until we tag out. And hopefully our next move is not to go get on an airplane and fly back home, but to go to Maine and hunt some public land there and see if we can't tag out in Maine as well. So the dates are we are arriving in New York on May the 19th and we are departing from Vermont on May the 26th. So We would be hunting all day May the 20th, 21st, 22nd, 23rd, 24th, 25th, and the morning of the 26th. The trips to New York and Vermont are guided hunts. Actually, I think they're kind of semi-guided hunts. But it's going to be probably the quickest and easiest and higher percentage way of getting a bird in those two states in a short period of time. So I want to throw that out there for you guys. If you're interested, hit me up, Andy at IamTurkeyHunting.com, and I can go through all the details with you. But I do want to tell you, you're probably going to spend close to two grand depending on how you get there, whether you're flying or driving, because you'll pay for not only the hunt, but you'll have tips, food, lodging in New York licenses and miscellaneous expenses as well. It's short notice. I hate that it's short notice, but I thought, hey, why not throw it out there to you guys and see if one of you wanna join us on this trip to see if we can knock three more states off of our lists of states that we need to complete a Super Slam. So again, hit me up. I'll be glad to give you a call with all the details of the trip and see if it's something that fits your budget and if it's something you want to do. We'll be hunting in pairs, so chances are you would hunt with all three of us on the trip. We'll kind of swap out and get around a little bit, so to speak. So anyway, email me andy at iamturkeyhunting.com. Include your phone number in the email and I will call you and give you some more details on the trip and we'll see if we can make it happen now. So I told you I struck out in Arkansas and actually Cameron struck out in Arkansas as well. Have you ever had one of those hunts or series of hunts that just seem to have blunder after blunder after blunder? Well, that's kind of the way I felt about the Arkansas trip and here's why. Cameron and I had an issue with birds gobbling and not... Moving, Whether they were in their strut zone or their feet had been concreted to the ground, I don't know. But we would get in an area with a turkey that was gobbling and he would not budge. He would not move. And so we struggled with that. (laughs) We struggled with it for several days, as a matter of fact. My usual modus operandi is that if I hear a turkey gobbling and I sit down and I call to that turkey and he responds... And then after some time, I'm still calling to him, but he shuts up. After 30 minutes to an hour, I usually will get up and walk into the area where that turkey was because I want to know, is there some reason why that turkey would not come to me? Is there a ditch? Is there a fence or a piece of a fence? Is there a blowdown? Is there a cliff? why would that turkey not come to me? Maybe the turkey just called in a hen. Most of the time, we never know that unless we hear the hen calling. But we couldn't get turkeys to move. And when we would walk into the area to see why the turkey wouldn't move, the turkey's still there. And of course, he pitches off the ridge and we never see him again. Well, that's not 100% true either. Specifically, my hunt where I spooked the same bird twice off of two different ridges he flew from one ridge to the other the first time i spooked him i went around on that ridge got on him again he actually did come in but he was clucking and i turned around to look and didn't see anything and after 30 minutes i got up started walking and i bumped him again and he pitched off to the next ridge and i couldn't find him that time but we had a great time you know i came back with a new respect for arkansas turkey hunters Not that I didn't have any respect for them to start with, but the fact that they have a two week long season in Arkansas makes turkey hunting extremely difficult because you have to hunt when you get the opportunity to go. It's not a case where you can say, you know what, it's raining today. Saturday, I have the day off, but it's raining, so I'm not going to go because I can go next Saturday. You've got to go. And that's exactly what we have to do when we go on these trips out of state. We've got a set number of days that we're there, we've got a set amount of time to get the job done, and we've got to make it happen. It doesn't matter if on day one, it's 85 degrees and the wind's blowing 20 miles an hour. On day two, it's 78 degrees and the wind's blowing 20 miles an hour. On day three, it's absolutely gorgeous with four mile an hour winds. On day four, it's raining 48 degrees and the wind's blowing 20 miles an hour. Or day five, when it's 42 degrees and cloudy and spitting rain and the wind's blowing 20 miles an hour. That's what Cameron and I dealt with the entire trip. We had one day where we had beautiful weather. It was just a bluebird day, temperature in the upper 60s, mid 60s, very little wind, and that was the day we had the most activity. That was the day that, well, that was the day we heard the most gobbling. That was the day that I thought that we were going to kill, but it didn't happen. So like I said, I've got a newfound respect for you Arkansas turkey hunters. The fact that you have to hunt no matter what the weather is, no matter where the birds are in their mating cycle. Now I'm going to say this though about you Arkansas turkey hunters. You may not have the population of turkeys that you had years ago, but you guys need to quit poor mouthing. You have turkeys. You have gobbling turkeys. You don't have a ton of turkeys and you you're right. You probably don't have the number of turkeys that you had 5, 10, 20 years ago. I don't think any state in the South does, except, except maybe Kentucky, Tennessee, North Carolina, and this hurts me to say it, but it really is a southern state, Virginia. So you Arkansas turkey hunters, quit talking about how terrible your turkey hunting is. You've got birds, they gobble, Hunting in Arkansas reminds me a lot of hunting in Alabama with one huge difference. Your turkeys in Arkansas gobble. Our turkeys in Alabama do not gobble. You guys have beautiful, absolutely gorgeous countryside to chase birds in. You have very well managed national forest and WMAs hunt and yeah you probably have to work a little bit to find some birds whereas you probably didn't have to do that 10 years ago but you've still got birds you've got enough there to go out and hunt and enjoy yourselves and not worry about the fact that you might be doing damage to your population all right so with all that said Cameron and I had a great time and I think we have a plan for next year already for when we go back to Arkansas and I think it's a pretty good plan you know with all the mix-ups bad luck and blunders that happened in Arkansas we were around birds the entire trip and since I'm on the topic of not getting it done in the turkey woods that's what today's entire show is about after all this is turkey hunting you know the sport we love that sometimes drives us absolutely crazy for four hours out of a four hour and 15 minute hunt and then it makes our entire day week month or even year a happy one in the last 15 minutes of that same four hour and 15 minute hunt the same sport that makes us question our sanity one minute and then makes us think we are the smartest and best hunters on earth the next well today's story is that hunt that makes me think I am the smartest and best turkey hunter on earth. Now, today I know I'm not, but you couldn't convince me of that on the day of this particular hunt. So here's the story. My buddy, Joey, invited me to hunt his new hunting club in West Alabama. And the day before the hunt, he shared a couple of pins with me on OnX so that I could study the map and learn a little bit about the area see where we're going to be and he tells me that we're going to meet his friend john at his hunting camp as well so that john can join us on a turkey hunt so joey and i arrive at his hunting camp around 5:20. now you can just barely see dawn's crack at about 5.30. The turkeys don't even really gobble until about 5.45 or 10 till 6. So we were plenty early, but we went ahead and got in the truck, drove to the area that we were going to be at, and parked the truck, walked up on top of a hill, and stood there and listened. Now John is a new turkey hunter, and I actually think this was John's second or third time to go turkey hunting ever, and he had not heard a turkey gobble ever. So... We're standing up on this ridge, and I'm hooting, and hooting, and hooting, and nothing. And I hoot, and a turkey gobbles a long way off. And I pointed in that direction, and I look at John and Joey, and they're looking at me with a blank stare. Well, I'm 100% sure that I just heard a turkey. A lot of times, these almost 50-year-old ears fail me, and I'm not real sure what I hear, but I was 100% sure of what I heard, even though it was a long way off. So we get our phones out. We're looking at OnX, and we kind of pinpoint where I think the bird is. And I said, before we leave this spot, though, let me hoot again and see if he'll gobble. And if he will, maybe we can get a better location on him. So I hoot, and he responds. And he is exactly where I thought he was. We draw a line on On OnX from where we are to where the turkey is or we think he is and it's three quarters of a mile so I look at Joey and John and I said we've got a three quarter of a mile journey ahead of us are we doing this by foot or are we driving they both said they were game to walk so we start walking in that direction now let me lay out the land that we're hunting for you guys rolling hills mostly pine plantation so planted pine trees and they're anywhere from waist high to 50 feet tall. In between these pine plantations and all of the draws, there are ditches or drainages, whatever you want to call them. And in those areas where those ditches or drainages are, there are what we call SMZs, Streamside Management Zones. And those are strips of land where the timber companies do not harvest the timber. They leave it there so that there are plants and leaves and bushes and trees to filter out any groundwater or any soil that may be eroding from the rain in the areas that have just been cut. So these SMZs hold a fair amount of timber. The SMZs can be anywhere from about 25 yards wide to 100 yards wide, just depending on the terrain and how wet the areas around these drainages and ditches are. So this turkey is two streamside management zones away from where we're standing. So we drop off the hill, we go over a little small hill, and before we get to the first SMZ, I said, let's stop here and call and make sure that this turkey is not in this first SMZ that he's in the next one over so we did and the turkey gobbles and he is in the next one over so we go through that smz start up the next hill we get to the top of that hill and we can see the trees of the smz where that turkey's roosted and we're about i'm going to say as the crow flies 250 yards away from the tree line of that smz The pine plantation that we're standing in is pine trees that are about six feet tall and they are planted pretty far apart. They got a pretty good spacing on them. So we're not totally exposed, but we're pretty exposed while we're walking through this pine plantation. We can see the treetops perfectly, but by this time of day, the turkey that was gobbling should be on the ground. So I'm not real worried about spooking this bird. So we continue on, follow the path, and it leads right to the edge of the SMZ. We step over into the SMZ and we're about, I'd say 250, 300 yards north of where we think the turkey was gobbling. Now at this point in time, once we got about halfway through the pine plantation, the turkey quit gobbling. So when we were able to get down into the SMZ, I pulled out my crow call and I blew my crow call hoping we could get a gobble and get a better pinpoint on where he was and we heard nothing. Well I didn't walk all that way to hear nothing and give up so we start walking in his direction we're walking to the south we walk about 200 yards from where we first entered the smz and i pull out my call i make just a very soft yelp and a couple of clucks and then i hear in the distance a hen
1: yelp, 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 yelp. Cluck,
0: cluck, cluck. so i looked at john and joey and i pointed over to some trees on the side of a hill leading up into a different pine plantation. And I said, we need to get up here and sit down quickly. So they follow me up. I find a pine tree for me and John to sit against. I point Joey over to a pine tree about five yards from us. And we all sit down very quickly. Now, this is Joey's second season to hunt. And you may remember Joey because I had him and his son on this past summer to talk about Joey's first turkey, which Joey called in for himself. And Joey's still learning the ropes. Heck, I've been doing it for 25 years if not longer and I'm still learning the ropes so I've got John with me sitting against the same tree that I'm sitting on and John's turkey hunted two maybe three times now and I've got Joey about five yards from me and we get situated and I call back to the hen she calls and she responds to me and I'm not threatening her in any way I'm just doing some soft calling and just talking to her. And I'm going to let the audio roll from here. So there's about 30 minutes of audio, and I'll jump in and interrupt every so often. But because I'm sitting against the same tree with John, I'm kind of explaining to John what's happening throughout this hunt. So there's probably not much of a need for me to jump in and give a whole lot of additional details about what's going on when but here's the audio from the hunt and i'll see you in a few if he'll get through with her then he'll we want
1: to just stay in the area with him in here let me see if he will hopefully he'll come in here and check us out so i'm just going to keep soft sometimes if you get real aggressive if they've got a hen with them the hen will take them off in the other direction because she doesn't want any confrontation she just wants to breathe and go on about her business early in the season sometimes it's different sometimes you can get one a hand that is the dominant hand she's the ball's hand and she wants to, she doesn't mind getting into a tussle. But this time of year, it's better just to take an approach of just, hey, I'm over here, you know, kind of minding my own business. Not looking to fight, but, you know, if you want to come over and check me out, I'm here, kind of thing. So when they get finished with one, they'll move on to another.
0: John just asked me if when this turkey gets through breeding that hen, if he will move on to another hen. Yeah, he's like a 17 year old boy.
1: How many times do they breed? Typically, they'll breed at least once a day for about two to three weeks straight. And then they'll start to slip off and look for a place.
0: Okay that's the first time he's gobbled since we've been sitting down. Now things are getting a little more interesting.
1: So, when he just gobbled, he's telling her I'm over here. And that, what she did was she cut back to him. That's Letting him know that she's very excited, that he got her excited. So she's moving to him. Well, and actually, we can't do that? Yeah, we can't do that. Typically the hens will go to the gobblers. But he's moving this direction, he's getting closer. She really hasn't. She really has not moved a whole lot from where she was.
0: john just said it sounds like he's gotten more aggressive and he's right that gobbler is getting more aggressive but if you'll notice my approach to this calling scenario has now changed and you'll hear why in just a minute oh
1: yeah as soon as you you, when you have to be see him you need to let me know hey I see one so I know not to move any and I'll do the same for you but what you need to do in order to get your gun around to where you can shoot is you need to wait until he steps behind a tree that's close, very close to him and when he steps, you can't see his head he steps behind a tree then you can move your gun over and get on that tree then that way when he steps out, if he steps out to the right you just have a little movement to the right steps out to the left you just have a little movement to the left and you want to shoot him right where his head comes out of the fat fe- where his neck comes out of the feathers
0: okay. how far, of a shot? He too far? i am so glad that john just asked that question so he said how far do i think is too far to shoot. And that's something I didn't think to ask John before we sat down was, have you patterned your gun? How far are you comfortable shooting out to? And that's all important information. I know what you're thinking. Come on, Andy. Longbeard XRs, you can kill a turkey out to 50 yards with a 12 gauge easily. And you're right. John is shooting a 12 gauge. And John is shooting Longbeard XRs. The reason that I know that he's shooting Longbeard XR, even though he doesn't know it, is because he dropped a shell when we got out of the truck, and I found it and picked it up and handed it to him. And you know I looked at it before I handed it to him. Longbeard XR. Now The reason I told him 30 yards is because I've looked at John's shotgun. I haven't touched it. I haven't held it and fondled it like I normally would a gun, that is. But I know that John's 12 gauge has a fixed choke. There are no removable choke tubes for that gun. And I don't know this to be a fact because John could have an aftermarket barrel, a second barrel, one that is a full choke. But I kind of suspect that this is probably a shotgun that John has shot quite a few doves, maybe some ducks, maybe some quail with over the years. And I'm going to guess, and conservatively, that the gun probably has a fixed improved or a fixed modified choke in it. So, with that being said, I don't think I want John shooting any farther than 30 yards. But here's the thing. It is so thick where we are that you probably can't shoot much farther than 40 yards. So, we're really not making that much of a sacrifice on our range in this particular setup.
1: You see that just to the left? Maybe ten o'clock. You're ten o'clock. That huge oak tree right there. Yeah. You see the tree behind it, kind of across the creek, or at least that little bottom. It's another oak tree leaning in the same direction the big one is. In that gap to the left of the big oak tree, see the little pine tree. There's a tree about smack dab in the middle of that gap between the little pine and the big oak. I'll tell you what I'll do. If they come in and they get in range, I'll tell you when he's in range. Your safety is off. Is your safety off on your gun? It is. All right, put it back on. That, that clicking sound is not even gonna phase him. It's not like a deer. So we just keep it on until he gets in range. He gets behind a tree, you can move on him, and when you move on him, you click that safety off and just be your finger on the trigger at that point. So when he steps out, you can just bust him. Neck, like it doesn't, doesn't phase them at all. It'd make a deer leave the country as you know.
0: Now, if you have been listening to the show for any period of time, you know I love a good laugh. I like to have fun. And even though I am working a turkey trying to get him to come in, that doesn't change me. I'm still going to try to have fun. and I'm still going to make some jokes. So what you're about to hear is me getting Preston Pittman's and Scratch out of my vest. And you've heard me talk about the flap and scratch before. So for those of you who haven't, the flap and scratch is basically a little camouflage pouch that has something inside of it that when you crunch it up, sounds like a turkey walking in the leaves or scratching in the leaves. That's the scratch part of the flap and scratch. The flap part of it is, you can grab one end of it in your left hand and the other end in your right hand and pop it back and forth Moving your hands closer and farther apart, you can pop it and it will sound like wings flapping. So, that's the noise that you're about to hear. told him that in a minute I would open up that bag of potato chips that I was messing with and we would have a snack all right that is all that I have for you guys for the free portion of this week's episode of the turkey hunter podcast if you would like to hear the rest of this week's story about the hunt then you will need to become a subscriber to the premium content of the turkey hunter podcast and this week there's an announcement about a contest for the premium subscribers. The Contest is gonna last about two weeks. So there's a little extra incentive to become a premium subscriber. The prize will more than pay for the cost of the premium subscription, which by the way is $18 per year. And if you want to get in on the action on the contest by becoming a premium subscriber, you'll need to text the word turkey hunter. Make it one word, no spaces between turkey and hunter. Make it one word, text that to the number 44222. Once you do that, I'm gonna send you some instructions on what you'll need to do to have me email a link to you that you can click on and create your username and password for the Podbean application. And you can pay the $18 per year annual subscription fee your $18 subscription is going to get you all of the premium content for our past episodes as well as the premium content for this week's episode which towards the end of the episode that's when I announce the contest that the premium members can participate in and you'll get the premium content for the next 52 weeks as well it's a bargain at twice the price but I'm not going to charge twice the price listen seriously There is a bunch of content locked up underneath the premium subscription. And I really don't think you'll be disappointed if you spend the $18 to subscribe. Hey, if you'll do me a favor this week, I'd be very appreciative. If you'll go to my website, that is theturkeyhunterpodcast.com and click on the link for this week's show, which is episode number 233. Click on that link and then copy the URL from the address bar on the top of the page. If you would then go to one or two of your favorite turkey hunting Facebook fan pages and post that link for this week's show that you just copied with a nice comment about the show, I'd be very appreciative. It'll take you about a minute, maybe two minutes of your time to do that for me, but I, it will do a world of good for spreading the word about the show. With that said, thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. I know that you have choices. I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful week. And I look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com